You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And guys, phase three of the Colts offseason program continues. A little bit more work than phase two, not as much as phase four. And if you really want me to dive into all that, I'm not going to. So tough luck. You're going to have to go on the NFL's website. Mike, in summary, the Colts can actually do a little bit more practice in phase two, uh, phase three and really get to get a little bit more actual on the field work done. And that's what they're in the middle of right now. They actually look like they're playing football. Exactly. Because it's 11 on 11. And again, there's no hitting. There's some jostling, but there's no hitting. You know, that that, that happens in late, in late July. But this is when you finally, you know, starts last week, you finally get to see, you know, corners against wide receivers. Uh, Justin Houston against Anthony Costanzo with pass rushing. But again, it's not serious contact. So, But you get some impression of who's going to do what. We've seen Paris Campbell being active. We've seen uh, uh, Ben Bonajou, if I get the name right. Banagoo, I believe. See, I'll never, as long as I spell it right, we'll be okay. That's right. He, he's been used both as a linebacker and as an edge pass rusher. Uh, Bobby Okariki. And i tell you, one, one guy that you, you don't want to put too much into, but, but Rock Yassine has had an interception every day we've been out there. Hey, now. So, you know, it's, is that something to be marvel at? Well, maybe not, but he's making plays, and this is this is about making plays. Uh at OTA yesterday on, on Wednesday, the defense won the day. It just did. Now, let's keep in mind that Andrew Luck still hasn't practiced yet. That, I was going to make that point. So it's it's you know it's one of those with a caveat. Yeah, they, they beat the heck out of the offense with Jacoby Brissett and, and Philip Walker and, and Chad Kelly. Our boy, Chad Kelly. But we, we can talk about him briefly because he talked for the first time Wednesday. But at least you're, you're seeing defensive players make plays. Chris Milton had a nice interception. And Justin Houston's getting pressure. So that's what you want to see. But this is all about still trying to figure out from the coordinators and position coaches who looks best where, how does this match up as far as who's going to play. But again, the problem is there's there's probably 10, 12 guys that didn't practice. You know, Darius Leonard still, Jabal Sherrod still, Clayton Gathers, and on and on. And we talked about luck and, and people like that. So it just... It just limits what you can do, but at the same time, you know, no Eric Ebron, no Jack Doyle, but it gives Moali Cox and other uh, tight ends extra reps. So that's the good and the bad. I never get too bent out of shape on who's looking good in OTAs because it's sort of it, it's it's a, a notch above seven on seven where it's it's really all offense. So many times, I and mean, we we can mention the names if they come to mind that were outstanding in OTAs and training camp. And then they just couldn't play when the lights went on, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so, so, so that, that's what you sort of, I'm more interested in who's not practicing and why aren't they practicing and what's the timeline to get back. And we can talk about that a little bit later on. They keep delaying Andrew Lux return, just saying, no, he's not going to be back or well, whatever. But I, I will point out that uh, our very own Chris Hagen was at uh, Joseph Newgarden's ping pong event downtown during Indy 500 weekend. Andrew Luck was there at this ping pong event and he's playing ping pong. So, so the right shoulder's okay. Exactly. The right shoulder's fine, but he's moving back and forth a little bit. So the, the calf is not killing him out there. So I'm not raising any red flags about this. It's just a matter of he's not going to be out there until it's perfect. And right now, as Frank Reich says, you don't have to bring him out there until it's perfect. It's OTAs. Like you say, Mike, it's, you're not looking for the star of OTAs because stars and OTAs often fade in either training camp or preseason or when the actual regular season comes along. But with, even with all the guys who are out right now, you, you mentioned a bunch of them on both sides of the ball. You would expect, at least I would expect right now, the defense to get the better of the offense more times than not when Andrew Luck is gone. Because, obviously, it's the quarterback that matters most. And even though we like Jacoby Brissett as a backup, the way the defense has taken strides over the past couple years, and last year in particular, you would hope, as they did the other day, Frank Reich would come out and say, yeah, the defense had a better day today. Well, because if the offense is dominating with backup quarterbacks and third and fourth guys, then you've got an issue. Exactly. I don't care who's not practicing because for the most part they've still got the bulk of their defenses out there. Malik Cooker and, and Anthony Walker and, and Marcus Hunt and all the and Denny Quadri, all the other guys are practicing. 
So th- th- that that's what's encouraging. And what you notice, and these rookies probably find out right away, is it's speed, speed, speed. Remember we made a big deal last year about the loafs mm-hmm. that Matt Eberflus hands out. You see these players have learned real quick that you don't, you know, ha- jog, half jog to the next set of drills. You you, you kind of sprint. You, you get down there. And that's what they want. They, they figure if you get used to it in practice and it just carries over in the training camp, it carries over in the preseason and then the regular season. So that's what's encouraging. And, and one, one thing, again, on, on luck, we were talking to Reich about this. He said as a player he had a strained calf, and it took him several weeks to get over it. He said if, if this was the regular season and the game Sunday, then luck would play. Mm-hmm. But it's not. And the last thing you want is to have a guy get out there because he's a competitor and, and then he, a, a strain turns into maybe a tear, and, and then you have issues. So it's never good when the quarterback's not practicing because this is when you work on timing. This is when you put the, the foundation of your timing, and, and you can work on certain aspects of the, of the offense. But hopefully he's going to be out there next week. Maybe not, though. But but hopefully mini camp in two weeks that he's out there and getting some work done. If nothing else, it'll just shut us all up. <laughs> Can you imagine again if he doesn't practice? Please no. Through through, through OTAs, through the minicamp, and then you know, then what? Then the conspiracy guys will come out of the woodwork. But at least it's a strained calf and not Cam Newton in Carolina, which with shoulder issues. Right, and we've been there, and it's it's not a happy place to be. Nobody likes that. Paris Campbell's been working a little bit with the ones from time to time during uh, OTAs. I'd, I'd imagine you would expect that if you have a guy who's a playmaker on your offense, a draft in the second round, you want to see what he can do when he's mixed in with the big boys, yeah. And, that, and that's what you do. When they come out there, they, they were going out there red zone a lot yesterday, and it was T.Y. Hilton, Devin Funches, and then Chester Rogers in the slot. Well, you just have to believe that they're, they're going to be working in Paris Campbell, maybe on the outside, but primarily in a slot early. And they want him to get some reps. And that's going to be one of the more interesting training camp battles, I guess, is when you boil it down to player on player is Chester Rogers and, and Paris Campbell because Chester's also the uh, the leading punt return guy. And they want Paris Campbell to, to sort of see if he can do that. Can, can he get comfortable? He, you know, he's a kick returner at Ohio State. But what we've seen in, in, in OTAs is he is Campbell looks pretty comfortable catching the ball. And that's primarily you – know, that, that's object, object, objective one is to catch the ball. We remember they put Philip Dorsett back there a couple of years ago, and he looked lost mm-hmm. like he'd never done it before. So it'll be interesting. But that's the one position because with five or six receivers, first can, can the fifth or sixth guy help on special teams, which they have to. But – can, can Paris Campbell maybe replace Chester Rogers as your punt returner and then, uh, by extension, as that third receiver? We know if there are five or six wide receivers on the roster, Andrew Luck is probably going to find five or six of them throughout the season or even eight or nine or ten of them if they're uh, rotating in in the end zone, as he did last year, hitting, I believe, 13 or 14 different for touch- players th- for touchdowns. 13 for touchdowns, right. which title league record. Right. So... Um, one thing that uh, Frank Reich brought up yesterday was he he said that they worked a lot of red zone. They did a lot of um, a lot of red zone work, and so so I asked him. I was like, so so what makes a team good in the red zone? I kind of I thought that he might go one way. I thought he might say diversity and talk about the fact that they had thirteen guys catch touchdowns last year. He kind of went in an opposite direction from what I was expecting when I asked him the question. He said teams that have the best running game often do better in the red zone. Because, A, you get guys that are sucked up to the line of scrimmage and the tight ends can get behind them. Um, that, that's me adding that. Frank didn't say that exactly. But he, he, he pointed out the running game specifically. You can do play action. You have a solid running game that can gain you four or five yards when you need it. So that has been a continuing theme from Frank Reich in OTAs. Uh, Mike and Joe talking about the running game, that he wants a better running game. He wants a top five rushing offense this year. And that is not something we've seen often from the Colts, Mike. I don't think we're going to see it again. You just, they, they, not with they, that they, attitude, they, or not. Uh, you're right. They, they were, I went back and looked. They were like 61% pass run last year, which was fifth most lopsided, sixth most lopsided in the league. To me, the only way you get top five is to run the heck out of the ball. To me, again, I, I, where I take issue with Frank Reich is that this was a very, very good running attack once they got the pieces in place. 
I mean, the, the first five games, look who's not out there. Marlon Mack's not out there. Costanzo's not out there. And you're playing rush. You're, you're you're playing you know revolving door at right tackle. You're playing revolving door at left tackle. Once they got settled, and they got Costanzo at left tackle, they got Mac back. They got uh, finally Braden Smith at right tackle, and then you replaced uh, Matt Slauson with Mark Glowinski. Over the last 10-11 games and into the playoffs, they were a top five, top ten running game, and that's all you need with this team. You don't need to be 160 yards a game. I think Joe's got some stats here where over that over that stretch when they got people together, they were about as good as you needed to be. Yeah, it looked like uh, about 125 rushing yards per game uh, when you include the playoffs there. That's opposed to 74 per game through Ugh. week five. Ugh. Yeah, drastic difference there. Um, when you look at, you know, what do the Colts have to do to become a top five rushing team? Obviously run the ball a little more. Top five rushing teams average 30 rush attempts per game. That's compared to 25 that the Colts were doing. Um, that doesn't seem like much, but five carries a game, that's 20, 25 yards a game. So that, that that's where it really jostles you in, in the standings. It adds up. It absolutely does. Um, when you look at it, though, that 25, 125 yards a game that the Colts averaged during that final stretch, that would have ranked ninth. But the 15 was 127. So what they did, to your point, over the last end of the year was not far off from a top-five rushing offense. So if they ran the ball one or two more times per game, they're right there. Well, and again, you just, you just look at what you had. You, you, you had Marlon Mack, who once he's back in the lineup, he averages almost 80 yards a game, 4.7 a carry. That translates into, what, 12, 1,300 yards a season. Uh, and, and again, 400-yard games, which is the first time since 07 with Joe Adai. And then, oh, yeah, in the playoffs, first round of the playoffs, 148 yards um, by, by, Mar- by yep. Marlon Mack. I mean, a team there over 200. Right, but Marlon Mack, the 148 was a, was a team was a, franchise record yep. by a player. So, so again, I, I, I understand what, what Wright's saying, but I thought what they did after they got people in place. I mean, again, remember Mack had that hamstring injury that kept him out of yeah. four out of five games? Seattle. And then uh, uh, Costanzo didn't play until week five or six. And the think Jets about- game. If Doyle was healthy, he's a great blocking tight yep. end. So the rushing attack might be even better. One of my biggest questions, though, guys, is if Mac goes down and misses more time, is it possible to be a top five rushing attack without their top back? I'm gonna say no. I'll, immediately, I'll second that. yeah, yeah. At that point, I think you can. It depends on how long he's out, of course. But you'd hope top fifteen. I think if Marlon Mack's not because, there, because then you're turning to Spencer Ware. Or Jordan Wilkins, who I like, but yeah. yeah. Again, the first month of the season when Max out, you've got Naheem Hines, who's a hybrid running back. Who's not your bell cow. And Jordan Wilkins, because Robert Turbin, remember, was was suspended for the first month as well. So it's personnel, and I'm telling you, a a name to keep in mind only because it's always brought up to us, is Jonathan Williams, a, a guy that was on the roster, was on the practice squad, on the roster late. And for whatever reason, from what they see, Chris Ballard likes this guy. Every time we talk to Chris Ballard, he mentions Jonathan Williams and George Odom. Uh, you know, without any urging at all. So mm-hmm. they're going to give this kid a chance to be a part of it. But but Marlon Mack is the focal point, will be the focal point. And if he stays healthy, you know, that's it, it's an if. Because, he, you know, you go back to the rookie year where he had the shoulder and, and then year two with, with the hamstring, but when he's played. What I liked about Mac last year, as a rookie, he was sort of a pop it outside and, and look for the big play. It was either a 20-yarder or a minus carry. Last year, he, he did the hard stuff. He ran inside, and when, when there was a chance to break it outside, he did, but he got good yardage inside. He ran through people. He ran away from people. He showed you for a fourth-round draft pick, he can be a feature running back. And what was I going to say? Well, one thing to keep in mind, the, the top five running thing, I went back and looked, and five times, I think I, I, I went back and I, I actually do some homework for this. Oh, wow. For a story I did early in, in the week. I thought it was five times since 1968. 68, okay. I wrote it, down 69 from memory. But, but yeah. it started in 58 with a world championship. Five times they've been a top five running game. And let's remember in, in 2009 when they, when they played the Saints in the Super Bowl, they were 32. Mm-hmm. And that's dead last. And the year they won it, I don't think they were more than 
2024. So a lot of it had to do during the 2000s with Peyton, and, and, and they, they threw the football. The years they had Edger and James, they were never better than 15-16 with the league, and that, that's winning two rushing titles because it was a one-back guy, and they, that's where they got their yardage. It was Edger and James or nobody. So I, I think, again, as long, I understand what Frank Reich's saying, you know, a good running game, but it helps the play action. It, it slows down the, the pass rush. As long as you're top 10, as long as you're getting the four, four and a half a carry and you're getting the big plays when you need them, I think that's what he wants. And, and they had that last year when they had people together, but he wants more. I'll believe Chris Ballard's points on Jonathan Newsom. Not Jonathan Newsom. Oh my goodness, Jonathan Williams. When I see Jonathan Williams actually on the field and active and, and running the ball, it just it just hasn't happened yet. So right. I, I'm sure that you love him. Great, fantastic. I'm not going to exactly take your word for it and say, oh, he can step in and really carry the load until he actually gets well, a shot to carry least, the load. At least Spencer Ware has has done it in the past. He and he's done it pretty he, well. He, yes, he's he's had injuries. Yes, but but when he's played, he, he he's been productive. So. That's what, again, in their mind, if you take injuries out of the equation, you've got Marlon Mack, you've got Jordan Wilkins, I guess, to be a short yardage guy, although maybe that's what Spencer Ware ends up being. Naheem Hines is that change of pace, hybrid guy. Uh, but but Spencer Ware, if Matt goes down, Spencer Ware is a guy that will be the number two guy, and they want him to be the short-term fix. Uh-huh. Hines has plenty of value. I don't want to seem like we're glossing over him, and I don't think any of us are right now. I think we all like Hines and what he can provide out of the backfield. And um, uh, I don't know which one of you wrote this question down, but uh, a, a nifty, that uh, was Joe, saying, who do you think finishes 2019 with more yards from scrimmage? Could it be Devin Funches, Naheem Hines, or Paris Campbell? And I thought that was a really interesting question. Because Hines, if he came here last year and he he showed his value and showed that um, he could be a weapon out of the backfield, scoring a couple touchdowns in the red zone, even a good red zone threat, bringing it back to that discussion we had earlier. Um, Funches and Campbell are certainly wild cards because you don't know exactly how good either of them are going to be. I'm going to put Campbell on the back burner right now between these three. I think he'd be my last pick. Not because I don't like Campbell, but just because I think they'll use him sparingly or more sparingly. Um, I think Hines and Funches will have more opportunity to gain more yards from scrimmage. I'll go with Hines because, again, he's he's got two ways of doing it. If Joe can pull that up, he had close to 900 yards last year. Uh, it was about seven hundred. Is that all it was? Three fourteen on the ground and four twenty-five through the air. But but sixty-three catches, I think it was, and I I just think he's going to have more touches. And you hope for for the other guys to do it, they're going to need nine hundred, a thousand yards, and I think Hines gives you more because he's got some some opportunities in the run game that obviously the the other two guys won't have. I think Funches can easily get right around that amount of yards, whatever, 750, 775 on a year. And that I think that's that's a good over-under. I wonder what Vegas would have to say about that. But, uh, yeah, um, Campbell, I would imagine more like five or 600 probably for his rookie year. That That's my thought at least. Unless he really – at least he gets in on punt returns and breaks a couple of those. That wouldn't be from scrimmage though. That's a good point. So. Yeah, I think, again, if Campbell's up there with seven, seven, eight hundred yards, then they've, then they've really found a way to maximize what he does. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think he's one of these days will have a, a most important player to what they're trying to do. Campbell's a guy to me that can, can take the offense to a different level, with with really doing some serious stuff out of the slot. And, and it's not from scrimmage, but but also as a punt return possibility. And there's all, always limited balls to go around. There's limited plays, and especially if Frank Reich wants to run the ball more in the passing game, there will be limited uh, opportunities. And also, if you're getting certain players back from injury last year, guys like Jack Doyle or a Deion Kane that missed all of last year. Doyle missed a lot of last year. But we did get a couple injury updates from several players uh, at OTAs this week, interviews with these guys with Doyle, with Kane, and also Clayton Gathers. And talking to these guys, they all sounded really upbeat. None of them sounded defeatist. Um, uh, Gathers maybe would be the least excited out of these three, I think, just by listening to the, the his le- tone. The least worrisome, I guess, maybe is what I would... Okay. It. I don't... I don't th- this is one... Cause it, what, what's, what's funny is we, we finally found out that he had, had a knee procedure. Right. Which we didn't a know. scope or something, just to clean it, things it, it, out. What, what's funny is when you talk that. to these players... 
in most cases, it's not surgery. They never want to say surgery. They never want to it's say proced- that word. So it's a is procedure a softer word medically? Yeah, whatever. It's the same dang thing. If they pierce your skin yeah. with something, scope or whatever, it's a surgery. Right. So so, but but that's fine. But Jack Doyle was was encouraging, encouraged. Uh, he had the, he said the kidney injury is is done completely that, that, finished. Completely finished. There's still some work to do with the hip. He had hip surgery. But I, I expect him to be ready for training camp. Uh, Deion Kane had blew out his ACL with the opener in Seattle. Uh-huh. Preseason opener. I'm telling you, if, all the, if, if we had to take one player from training camp last year that just caught our eye, it was Deion Kane. Mm-hmm. Even more so than Darius Leonard, even though he flashed a couple right. of times, it was Kane, number one. Right. And then and then he has his rookie season in, but but he's he's back running. He's running routes. He's He's running on the field. He'll be ready for training camp, I think. And, and Chris Ballard warned us that you may not see him fully back until November, which if he must have had the surgery in August, so that's 14 months out, and you want 9 to 12 months anyway. So that's encouraging. And Clayton Gathers, he uh, one thing that really Ballard likes about him is, is he, he finds a way to play. And he fought things all last year, and he told us, he said, boy, he said, getting to Sunday sometimes was tough Mm -hmm. because dealing with things. So it's encouraging. Again, from all the players that are injured, I don't get the impression, unless somebody I'm just blanking out on, I don't think there's any, what do you think, long-term into training camp. I just don't think there's anybody like that. I don't know what Darius Leonard's dealing with right now, but he's out there in his street clothes. He had had the – Surgery on his left ankle. That's right. I, I forgot about that. Right. I knew it was something. I just didn't, wasn't coming to mind. So well, I don't know how long that's going to last. They said they said a six week recovery. He's probably in his two weeks in. He's probably two weeks in. I, last week he's out there with a boot on his left ankle. Mm-hmm. Yesterday he was out there with nothing. So that's one again. They 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 tried to let it heal from what he had last year. It just wasn't getting done. So you know don't don't push the the, the rest and rehab. Get it done, and it's a six-week rehab, so he'll be fine. So nothing to freak out about yet, for sure. Um, one thing we wanted to, I want to circle back on from a discussion we had at length last week was uh, about Gerald McCoy, free agent now, was released from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just last week. Um, six-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro defensive tackle. Um, he's made a couple of visits. There's been talk of another visit. None of those are with the Colts. I think we all made good arguments last week why the Colts might be interested in this guy. Just by what has been happening around the league, maybe they weren't as interested as we thought they were going to be. Maybe you're interested until you see that the the price tag is price is going to be ten, eleven million dollars, and, and you're you're you've got a good good group of of players at that on that defensive line now. Certainly none of them to this guy's level, right? I mean, maybe Justin Houston, maybe maybe, but I just don't know that their interest would have would have risen to. Uh, 10, 11 million, maybe more. When, you, when you've got two teams involved, at least two teams when he's visiting Cleveland, he's visited Baltimore, he's supposed to visit uh, Carolina today and tomorrow. All it takes is, is two teams to run a guy's price up. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think is the biggest holdup here? Because, I mean, if it's one year, we have the money to give him 10 million or 11 million for one season. Do you think maybe teams are offering him? I mean, he's 31, so. They might be giving them two, three years. Do you think they don't want to stifle the growth of younger players on the defensive line? Because you'd think if it was just one season, you know, we have plenty of money to give them $10, 12000000 million for one season. I agree with you there. I think with multiple teams involved here that he's probably looking for more than one year in his deal. And he's like he was making, I think it was $13 million with the Bucks, and they said take a pay cut. He said no, and he was sent to the bench, so, or sent to the uh, to the beach, rather. Um so now I'm sure he's looking for something over $10 million a year, and he doesn't feel like, oh, I need to sign right now so I can get an OTAs, you know? If, yeah. if he doesn't, yeah, that, that, it, you sure can hold off. Skip that anyway. Exactly. You could hold off for a second. There's, there's no rush for Gerald McCoy to make any decision. So that, that could be part of it as well. I also think, and we need to keep in mind that, and Chris Ballard has told us this, when they look at players and they evaluate, they basically put a price tag on a player. This is where we're going to go. And certainly they've got, you know, Jim Irsay's got the money. He does, and they've got the cap space. I think it's a case of if this might be a rotational player, a very good rotational player. 
I'm just not sure they would be willing to pay eleven, twelve million dollars over a year for a player. I, I think I think they had a, they had a certain limit they were going to go, and whether they've been told by the agent or whatever that we want more than that. I, I I've learned to, to to trust when Ballard says we're not going to go more than this. I I trust that he's not going to go more than that. And I think that might be the case here. You don't uh, sacrifice your your standards, and that's something that Chris Ballard we've never really seen him do all too much. Not on budget, not on budgetary, on budgetary and, and how you approach the roster. I guess one thing that we did talk about last week there was the signing of Chad Kelly. That's that was, the other part you were kind of... Exactly. That's what I was getting to right there. And we talked about it last week. We heard from Chad Kelly at Colts OTAs this week. I'll say this about Chad Kelly. He's a guy that sounds like uh, he, he, he sound, he's saying the right things. And that's probably because he's been coached many times on how to say the right things because he's been in many situations like this before. That that's that's what I think about Chad Kelly. And we'll see. Yep. I mean, I'm, it, it's it's I've been around this for far too long to talk to so many players who have said the right things, and, and then it doesn't work out. There's another slip up, and that's why some teams uh, and some coaches it, it's fine to give a second chance. This isn't a second chance, right? This is fourth, fifth chance, and we talked last week, and I really haven't changed my my view. Is I'm not sure why you would do this other than it's a favor from Frank Reich and, and by extension Chris Ballard to Jim Kelly. I, I, I it, it, there's more than that, I guess, but you don't need a backup for 2019. Mm-hmm. You've got that, and it, it's a one year contract at league minimum 570. So I just I just don't see the upside. I can't imagine these guys carrying three quarterbacks on on the roster because roster spots are too critical. Especially if you're gonna, you you always have a player or two not ready to go into the season, so you're carrying them hurt. It just doesn't make much sense. But I, I agree. He 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 said all the right things. Did he sound remorseful? I I, I don't want to parcel what he said. Yeah, I agree how he there. said it, but. You know, the only way you're going to know is is in a month. Is he, is he still doing the right things? Not saying it, but doing the right things. Is, is he still staying out of trouble? You won't know. And he even admitted, he said, "I've got. To, it's going to take me a while to gain everyone's trust." Mm-hmm. And you know, he's under zero tolerance. Mm-hmm. So anything is gone. So I, I just stand by the fact that I, it, it's not a major deal because he's he's one of ninety. But I just don't see the upside. Here's something else. He's shorter than I thought he would be. Just being right next to him doing these interviews, most NFL quarterbacks are taller than he is. Certainly there are guys that are his size, guys like a Russell Wilson or a Baker Mayfield recently who do very well. But having been around guys like Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett the last couple of years, it was just jarring to me that he is, he is not he, tall. He was smaller than Deion Kane. Yeah, he was. So I just you could see he he's got talent. You can see him throwing the ball. He's mm-hmm. got he's got good zip on the ball. We'll see. Again, I I go back to risk reward. There's no the only risk is a little bit of a PR hit you take, right? Which you move on from that. But I I just don't see the upside. Just uh, just talking heads like me saying what the heck. And in the at the end of the game, Chris Bauer doesn't care uh, all that much. Maybe he does listen to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, though. He should. He, he should. wants to wants to figure out what's going on. Happy birthday today, Joe. Not Joe. Sorry, you you had oh. something else. Not happy birthday to Joe. I was going to get somewhere else, but you had something to say. I was just going to say I'm rooting for him just because I hate to see talent wasted. He's got talent, so mm-hmm. hopefully he can get his mind on straight and, you know, save his career is all I was going to say. All right. that, that's very nice of you, Thank Joe. Thank you. Yes. Now we'll move <laughs> on to the happiest of happy birthdays today to, to Ryan Kelly, Colt Center. Our boy, uh, Roll Tide Ryan Kelly, who has uh, come in and finally given Andrew Luck a consistent uh, center uh, on his offensive line. When we did our rankings the other week, our top 10 Colts, I know I had Ryan Kelly there. Now I can't find my list right here. I swear I, I had fifth, there it is. I Let's see. I think I had him fourth right there. We all uh, kind of had him in the middle. J- Joe, your list doesn't matter because you didn't have, have Adam Vinatieri on I have on a rebuttal to that as well. Oh, you have a rebuttal to that as well. I was a bit scorned last okay, week. Well, and... well, you can rebut. Go ahead. You, you, you have the floor, as all they right. say. Adam Vinatieri made 23 of his 27 field goals last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 20 kickers in the NFL who attempted 27 or more field goals. Of those kickers, 
Vinatieri ranked 12th in field goal percentage. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, you can have one bad year or well, one he, less he, than stellar year. He had like year. two misses when he had the bad had the bad groin. Right. Here I, here we are defending the guy who doesn't need it. But I'm just saying, he's a solid kicker. I'm glad he's on the Colts team because he does his job well, but I don't think he's a given for the top 10. 85% field goal percentage past two years. So I don't, wouldn't say it's one bad year. He's a good kicker. I'm glad he's on the Colts, and I feel good about it. But, you know, I don't think it's automatic, but we can move on. All right. <laughs> we will move on then. That's cool. Well, and and the fact that it's Ryan Kelly's birthday, it, it – Eliminates him from our, our latest, our, our next list. From our list this week. Our list, top five Colts under 25. Since 25 or under. 25 or under. Pardon me. Ryan Kelly's 26 now. He's no longer eligible. Out of so here. Good time to get into this list. Ryan Kelly would certainly be on this list for uh, for me, and I'm sure for you guys as well, unless your name is Joe Hopkins. Then, well, one, then thing I, one thing I was <laughs> thinking on doing in memory of, or in, in, in recognition of Joe, I was going to make Vinatieri. Two of my players. <laughs> he, could, he could be two 23-year-olds on this roster. He takes number three and four on your list there, yes. Let's <laughs> split them in half. His right leg and left leg. That's Fantastic. Right. It's, it's, it's the funniest thing because you see these stats around the league that are like, the Colts have the fourth youngest roster in the NFL. It's like, well, Adam Vinatieri is like 46. <laughs> yeah. He doubles. like He's enough for two guys right there by himself. My goodness. Anyway, top five Colts under tw- 25 and under. Excuse me. So, uh, for my list, and I made sure I was consistent with my list last week, too, top 10 Colts. Couldn't uh, get anybody out of order there. But for me, top five Colts, 25 and under. Number one, I have Quentin Nelson. Guard Quentin Nelson. As much as Mike Chappell would not uh, agree with taking a guard at number he's six He's not number overall, one on my list, but go ahead. Not, okay, that's fine. He's on your list. Number two, I have Darius Leonard. Middle linebacker, weak side linebacker, Darius Leonard. Uh, all pro season. Should have been a pro bowl season in his rookie year. I think certainly by the time his career is over, Leonard could be number one among all these players. But I have Quentin Nelson ahead of him right now just because of, I mean, they're, they're both their years were stellar. And it's neither one of them, on, like on any other team, each of these guys could be number one probably on at least two-thirds of NFL teams across the league. But they happen to both be on the Colts, which is a good thing for the Colts. Number three on my list is Malik Hooker. You know how much I love safeties. I've talked about it over and over. I think having Malik Hooker on the back end just prevents teams from throwing deep on you, and you keep it in front of you. Uh, it, the chunk plays, we hear Chuck Pagallon talk, oh, the chunk plays, talking about them. That's really more of an Andrew Luck impression than a Chuck Pagano, excuse me. But anyway, I have Malik Hooker, number three, on my list. Number four, I have Marlon Mack, and... I went back and I was looking at all these guys, 25 and under, um, and I thought Marlon Mack might contend for number five. I worked him all the way up to number four because just looking again at his numbers for last year, they were better than I thought they were after going back and, and actually looking at it more carefully. Um, I mean, 900 rushing yards. He averaged 4.7 yards per carry. That's stellar. Scored nine touchdowns. That's really good. I mean, that's one away from 10. Once you get double-digit touchdowns, that's really eye-opening. And nine is only, obviously, one less than that. So He had a receiving touchdown, too. He did. Did he? Okay, he might have. Um, I'm sure he did because he was. He must have been one of the players that Andrew Because everybody else did. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I remember going over it last year, yeah, and thinking One who else. Touchdowns, yeah, so ten total. Yeah, ten total touchdowns, which yeah, double digits is fantastic, especially after missing a couple games at the start of the season. So I have Marlon Mack there at number four. Number five, I literally didn't write it down. I came in here and I was still thinking about it. I had a group of three guys here that I was really going back and forth between. Those three guys, I'll let you know, are Devin Funchess, Anthony Walker, and Kenny Moore. Um, I'm not going to put Funchess there just because I haven't seen him enough. Um, I don't think it would be fair to the other two guys. Walker and Moore are both very similar to me. Two years ago, they kind of cut their feet or cut their teeth rather um, in the league. Then last year took significant steps forward. Um, And it's hard for me to pick one or the other. I'm going to go with Kenny Moore at number five. But I think Anthony Walker could be right there as well. And I wouldn't have any problem with somebody putting him in over over Kenny Moore. Um, I like Moore a lot. Went to Valdosta State, Lowndes High School, and I lived in Tallahassee, Florida for five years. Covered Lowndes High School, covered Valdosta State. So uh, maybe that uh, that little gave him the little extra oomph to, to get into my top five. So once again, running them down, my top five Colts, 25 and under, Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, Malik Hooker, Marlon Mack, 
and Kenny Moore. That's my list. Mike Chappell, what you got? We're similar, except I put Darius Leonard first because I just can't put a guard first. Can't do it. It's <laughs> it, it, it's it's a flaw in my makeup. Because uh-huh. uh, I, I again, I just I, I want a difference maker. I want a, I want a guy who makes plays that my eyes tell me swing a game, and I, I can still I can think of half a dozen plays that, that Darius Leonard, you know, the, the, the Oakland game. And that's the one that came to my mind. That, that he went, they, yep. they don't win, probably, if he doesn't make that play. Mm-hmm. And, and again, everything else, first team All-Pro, defensive rookie of the year. I got Quentin Nelson second for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. And he just, not to disparage the other linemen, but he just elevated the nasty meter a little, just, just enough. Mm-hmm. Number three, I've got Malik Hooker, so we're, we're on the same on, same wavelength. On the same there. wavelength. This could be a really, really good a big year for him because he rookie year, three interceptions early, and then he has a knee. Last year, he's just he's just fighting stuff, along with getting totally back from the knee. This year could be a major year to to have him really stamp himself as a as a top member of this defense. Number four, I got Marlon Mack. I think he's exceeded you know fourth round draft pick. Yeah, that was where they took Hines this past year, right? right? Yeah, right. And then go back in 2012 is when they took Vic Ballard, mm-hmm. who was a pretty good player. I, I like what he Mississippi brings. State, Chris Hagan's pride. There you Enjoy. Go. And my number five was Braden Smith, uh, the right tackle. I, I think if if you if you can find your right tackle who you thought was a guard, this guy could, should be your right tackle for the next five six years anyway, minimum. So you know that that's what they had back in the day with Ryan Dean. He, you know he 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 was Tarek Glenn's bookend, and and they were really good. So I, I really like what that group is. And one thing that's interesting, you know, our, our list is twenty five or younger. These guys are twenty three, mm-hmm. all of them. They're going to be on this list for the next two it's, years, right? <laughs> and the other guys I, I gave consideration to just just quickly, Rigo Sanchez, the punter. Mm-hmm. We we tend to. Dismiss those guys. We talked about him last week, and right. yeah, Joe dismisses him exactly. He doesn't care about special teams. He's but. 24. Naheem Hines is 22. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Moore's 23. Anthony Walker's 23. Kamoko Therese, 23. I put Chester Rogers on the list as 25, but I never really consider him top five. Mm-hmm. And then Taekwon Lewis is 24. So this is – it's one thing when you're doing this list, th- th- there's a harsh reminder – Andrew Luck turns 30 in September. Hmm. T.Y. Hilton turns 30 in November. So so it's it's there's there's a, a lot of good veterans on this roster, Jabal Sherrod, Justin Houston, Marcus Hunt. But there is at least a dozen, 16, maybe 18 players, core not not core players, but but high end players who are twenty five or younger and, and that just bodes well for the future. Joe, what about your top five list? The top How four terrible is it? are very similar. Hey, uh, wow. I start with Darius Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, he gets a lot of praise. I think he got overlooked for defensive MVP last year. I think Aaron Donald's 20 sacks really got him overlooked. The last time a linebacker won MVP was 2013, Luke Keekley. He had 156 tackles, uh, four interceptions, two sacks. Darius Leonard in 2018, 163 tackles, seven sacks, two interceptions, and I believe he had a couple forced fumbles. So definitely had those missed numbers. The game yeah. Too. yeah, and, and he, he missed, missed the game. game. Yeah. So his numbers are MVP, defensive MVP level uh, for a linebacker. After that, I had Quentin Nelson, uh, Malik Cooker, Marlon Mack, and then my fifth was the slot corner Kenny Moore. I okay. thought he had an excellent season. Um, led the team in interceptions. Great playoff run with uh, three sacks and a pick. So I think Kenny Moore in the slot is a really valuable player for this team. I totally agree, and that's why I had him there. So well done, Joe. Congratulations. Neither of us, none of us had Anthony Walker on this list, but I want to – Yeah, he he's right there. And I, I don't know – I don't know how much of an opportunity he's going to get this year because he's going to have a whole lot of competition there for playing time. Mike, as we've talked before, I mean, this, this next class of linebackers that the Colts just drafted – they're coming in hungry, I'm sure, to get in there and play. And so Anthony Walker, even though I think we can all agree that last year we were impressed with his play, it's going to be a challenge for him to stay in contention for this list because there's going to be a lot of people nipping right at his heels to get some playing time. And we talked with him about that last week, about mm-hmm. did you pay attention when they're drafting, what, three linebackers? And he sort of said no, but he did. But yeah. He did. He did. And, and, he, and then he falls back into the, 
NFL is all about competition, make yourselves better. So I think he's going to really thrive on the competition. And if, if anyone thinks that these rookies are going to walk in here and take his job just because, they're wrong. Because, mm-hmm. again, I think he showed last year that, uh, again, he wasn't just along for the ride with Leonard. He has some great numbers, tons of t- over 100 tackles, I'm, I'm sure, had at least 10 tackles for loss, uh, just a quality, quality player. And, again, he's, 20, he's 23. So Another 23-year-old. Right. It, it, it's just incredible number. how in certain positions it's, it's youth, it's quickness and it's speed, and you really like to make up of that linebacker room now. What about some more guys that were right on the cusp there? You mentioned Tyquan Lewis, another guy that since he was injured a couple games last year, and you might not have gotten the best view of him, but maybe at the end of the day, he's one of the top five Colts under 25 for sure. I know that the Colts staff, especially if they want to move him inside, which is what they said last year, they think he's better on the inside than the outside, that he could end up being one of the top five Colts in this age group when all is said and done. He might be the guy that most benefits from Gerald McCoy not being here. Exactly. Because they, 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 they've looked at Tyquan Lewis as being that three-technique guy. And instead, of they, they moved him outside some last year. So, But we only saw a glimpse of what he can do because he missed the first half of the season with a foot injury. So, it, again, I, you just keep harping back. They've got, they've got some veteran guys, again, Sherrod and Hunt and people like that. Danico Autry can't be more than 26 or 27. He's almost 30, I believe. He's Is, 29. Okay, well, but that, that's hardly over the hill. No, but they've no. got a great mix of, of, of the mid-range veteran guys. How, how many 30-year-old players are on this team as of today? Four, five, six? Uh, in, it's in stark contrast to like 2015 when they brought in all the guys on the last part of their careers. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say it's a, it's a very good mix at this point with veterans and young players and, and the rookies. And Go ahead, Joe. To be exact, Autry turns 29 in July, so okay. kind of in the middle. The Colts really struck gold with a 25-year-old last year in free agency. That was Eric Ebron, a guy who had been in the league for four years, I believe it was, because the Lions didn't pick up his fifth-year option. But he came out of college when he was super young and was 10th overall pick, uh, came to the Colts um, as a well of potential and realized some of it. Could be similar to Devin Funches this year. Another guy, well of potential, coming out of college at Michigan when he was young. Now at 25 years old, again, like I said, I kind of considered him here. I don't see him on your list right there, Mike. Just because we haven't seen him. Exactly. But And, and that's what I tell you. If they can, I hate to use the word resurrect, but but if they can kickstart Funch's career after doing that with Ebron, then these guys are really on to something. And, and we'll see. You know, I've said that I want to see Ebron do it again just because he hadn't done it before. Mm-hmm. But if they can get Funches to be that guy, to be the – the big target to be the the red zone guy, uh, then hats off to this coaching staff. It's such a unique group of pass catchers, I think, just because there's a lot of guys who do certain things really well. Um, You saw what Jack Doyle could do do two years ago, catching, I think it was 80 80 balls. Second most in franchise history by tight end. Yeah, a a Pro Bowl caliber season. It was a Pro Bowl season. Yep, exactly. A a lot of those were short passes because Jacoby Brissett needed to get the ball out quickly or else he was going to get killed behind that offensive line. But nevertheless, Jack kept catching the balls. Third and seven, where do you go? You go to Jack Doyle. Doyle. And now Jack's going to hopefully be back for a whole season this year. Jack and Ebron together will be great. I think Eric Ebron is the captain of the Jack Doyle fan club. He has said as much many times in the locker room and Jack kind of smiled when talked about when they talked about when he talked about their relationship right. this week. And he also brought up the other tight end Mo Alley Cox, who again, we go back to that Oakland game last year. I don't know why that game always seems to come up for certain things, but nevertheless, it was that catch that he made in Oakland, Mo Alley Cox that just hello, eye openers like well, okay, maybe the Colts have something in this guy. Size of those hands. They're mammoth. When you talk, you talk to Reich in the offseason now, and he loves how he's taking his game another level. Mm-hmm. The route running, and you see it during practice. He's got great hands. He's catching the ball. He's running good routes, and he's huge. He's just He's got that great size. The only issue with the tight end group is who's the blocker. You know, it's Doyle's a quality blocker, but you want him to be out in those mid-range patterns. When you go to a fullback type of player, who is it? You know, last year was Ryan the Hewitt. back yeah. It, it, it was Ryan Hewitt. That guy's not on the roster. 
So we'll see if they keep three tight ends, four tight ends. I think they kept four last year, from what I remember. I thought they kept three most of the time. They kept four and then come game day, they'd always move Eric's folk okay. down. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which yeah, really you're right. rankled him yeah. to be there and then not be there. But but w- when we get deeper into this in July, in, in early August, it's going to be very interesting to see how they juggle the roster to make six receivers, four tight ends. And that's why I say Chad Kelly as a, as a third quarterback. I don't see it. I don't see how you do it. There's no way. There, there's no way you can make it work. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they juggle offensive linemen, defensive mm-hmm. linemen. It, it's going to be fun to watch. Well, and tight end is such a conundrum because it's such an important position to the offense. And yet, who's going to be the tight end in 2020? Both the contracts for Doyle and Ebron is up. So the future of the position is completely unknown to be Resign him. I think Doyle will be close to thirty. If Ebron has another massive season, he's going to demand a huge contract. That might and he should. Yeah. We, so I mean, if I had to predict, I would say he gets more money than the Colts are willing to pay for twenty twenty. So it's going to be really interesting to see how tight end shakes out. You'll need to see too. Let's say he has another solid year, thirteen touchdown catches. I, like I don't eight. see that. Say eight or nine, and then Doyle has his, his sixty catches for you know. Eight point four a, a, mm-hmm. a catch, but but value, you 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 you'd offer Ebron more because of the high end of what he does, but how do you you can't undervalue Doyle? Can they can they resign both of them? Maybe that's part of what Ballard's been doing as far as budgeting, knowing that mm-hmm. coming up you've got some pretty big contracts you got to deal with Ryan Kelly mm-hmm. in two years. Uh, I think Anthony Walker's there in a couple years, too, and if he stays as good as he is. T.Y. Hilton, I think, in two years. Anthony Costanzo. Yep. So we keep, we keep, we keep, uh, Kelly, well, yeah, Kelly's got a fifth-year option, but yeah, after that. Right. So so you've got, you've got to prepare for the future, and, but uh, with the tight end group, it's going to be interesting to see how, if each player does what you hope they do, how do you move forward with them? And that would get into, like, just the mechanics of, uh, NFL rosters and makeup. You have like different stages of, of teams. We don't have to break this down too much. I don't know how interesting it'll be. It's interesting to me just because I, I'm I'm a nerd. But y- you have your GM can take if you have a quarterback on a rookie pay scale, and then you can you can structure your salary cap one way. If the you Rams. Ha- exactly something like that, or like when the Seahawks had Russell Wilson. And they were able to build an incredible defense. They they had so many guys on rookie pay scales. It wasn't just Russell Wilson. It was him. It was Bobby Wagner. It was it was a slew Sherman of players. Yeah. So so they they caught lightning in a bottle in those years, and they could spend money uh, on free agents when they needed to. And they had a bunch of stellar young players. Um, then you have what you can do if you have a quarterback who's actually making $25 million a year, which is now, it seems, the going rate, 20 to $25 million for a quarterback. Um, and and so, so the Colts are at the point right now where they have Luck as their biggest guy, obviously, but they don't have any like second player that's in quite that tier that they are well, paying. But, they, but they've got... They've got they have a bunch of players that are really... Well, I, T.Y. Hilton's probably one of the top 10 contract-wise receivers. I agree. And Costanzo's one of the top... 10 or 12 tackles, but this is not like the, the Colts of 2000s where they had, you know, 46% of your roster of your cap in 10 players. It's not right. nearly that right. kind of way. And that's that was my next point, like the final like stage, which is so hard to win um, or to develop depth in your roster, whether you have the quarterback who makes that money plus aged veterans like a Robert Mathis who's making uh, uh, big money veterans if i'm looking across the league who who would i be thinking of guys like defensive ends yeah defensive ends that are making big money lawrence and dallas just yeah 20 million exactly years. like w- when you throw those guys into plus you have the quarterback who's making big money like it, it's really hard to develop depth you can win for a year if guys stay healthy and you get lucky but the culture are somewhere in the middle right now and you have the big quarterback you have certainly other good players uh, who have money, but uh, you need a good general manager to be judicious about where he spends his money in order to give you the uh, the depth in case bad things happen during the season. I thought this was interesting. I just looked up the contracts for Hilton and Costanzo. Mm-hmm. I think we'd both agree they're probably top 10 at their positions. I think so. AC at least top 15. I would probably say top 10, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry, don't mean to interrupt. Oh, you're fine. Or maybe I do. Um, they're both 14th highest paid at their positions. Okay. So it makes you think there's definitely... And I think that's because they 
had their contracts but a few because, years back. Because they're, right. four, they're three and four years into those contracts. Exactly, mm-hmm. and they keep going up yeah. every year. Yeah. When, when T.Y. signed his deal, I remember it was a top five, I'm pretty sure. So I think the Sanzo for, was as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so again, that, that's why that's why it's so important when we looked at our the list of 25 or younger. So many of these quality players or, or promising players, you've got to have that when you have the quarterback Making twenty, what, what's Luck making? Twenty six, twenty seven million against the cap. I will know. You, you just had that, and you got off of there. But when you ha- when you have the quarterback and uh, Justin Houston's making twelve or thirteen, when you when you have those four or five top end players, you've got to have players on their rookie contracts right. that just aren't on their rookie contract, but but are starting on their rookie contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty seven, twenty eight million a year, about right, mm-hmm. and that'll you, go you get, up. Yet they still yep. ha- yet they still have buku space under the cap boatloads of space yeah right. it's like whoa right. and Grigson tried to blame the bad defense on Andrew Luck's contract yeah right <laughs> well, he can he can uh, recite that line until he's blue in the face I don't think many of us are going to believe that agreed that's so. that's why again it, it's it's it'll be I remember we talked to Ballard early in the month and he made it he sort of indicated that they might get an extension done before training camp. And the only two that make any sense are either Costanzo or Ryan Kelly. You can extend Kelly and, and, and include uh, the, the fifth-year option, the one that makes sense to me. And I, I get I get ripped, riddled, or whatever the word is in the press room because I'm always hounded on what, what are they going to do with Costanzo. I'm the guy who has to ask the Costanzo questions. But if he's your guy and you're convinced he's your guy, get it done, and then that's one headache you don't have in the offseason. You don't think it'd be one of the tight ends. I figure they'd let that play out over this season. How do you? How mm-hmm. do you, how yeah. do you reinvest in either one, not knowing about you know the hip injury? Hey, you hope for the best, but it's a hip injury. And with Ebron, don't you want to see it again? Yeah, I, I just want to see it again. I do, no doubt. So, I, and again, I just don't think roster wise, there's no one else jumping out that, that it's even close to getting an extension other than the three or four guys we've talked about. You can follow the Colts Blue Zone podcast at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at M Chappell 51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. We've had a couple of good top five, top ten discussions the past couple weeks. You can tweet at us. Let us know what you might want to see as a list perhaps out there. If we did a list of, of top players over 40, <laughs> would, you, would Joe put Vinny on there? I don't think so. He's a hater. So. I think I'd have to by default. <laughs> <laughs> You'd still find a way to keep him off. No. We we can do I a list, you, a top five, maybe even a, a top four universities after Syracuse University to produce talent for the Colts in the NFL. I think that would be really interesting. But That would. Yes. Thank you for giving me a... I didn't mention Syracuse at all today. I know, I didn't either. Until the, I mentioned Mississippi State, too, I'm a, for I'm a better person because of it. Good for you. Congratulations, Mike. Well, we still have to film a segment for our sports overtime on Friday night here, about just a second, talking about Colts OTAs. So. Where do, where's the makeup room? I need to get some yeah, blush on Both it. on our way. I need my uh, my Perrier, my uh, my nice bubbly water before I head in there. That That's 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 in my contract that I have. Chris Ballard wouldn't know what hit him if I came in to discuss my contract with Chris Ballard. I need to get Ballard. that in my contract. Yeah, you better believe it, dude. <laughs> anyway, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to download and subscribe to get it delivered to your podcast listening device every week when it comes out a day late this week because we had to talk to the Colts on Wednesday, but we'll be back at it again next week with more fantastic, I hope, Colts content. This is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.